Please pronounce your name correctly for me. Blanka Chermakova. And you currently are the director of Trafo Gallery in Prague. Yes, we can say like something like this. I'm a gallerist. One of my big questions that I always like to start with just to get a foundation is sort of how did you even get into the creative industries? So like to, were your parents creative? Did you have good teachers, some life experience in your youth? Yeah, it's a total mixture. My mother was teaching at was a high school of art in Turnov. And my father after that was the pupil of, of, of her. She was teaching him. And after that, my brother was born, I was born, and we were attending the school very often. And uh, the surrounding was like very close to us. The flat of ours was full of paintings. And my first job when I was like 13, I was starting to work for a museum in uh, the in Turnov. In, uh, it was called the uh, Museum of Czech Paradise. I was overwhelmed with art like from the whole beginning. I didn't know that I would work in this area till maybe my age of 16. I was attending gymnasium, which is like high school here in, in Czech Republic. And there was a special teacher who was teaching us history of art. And he was so, I was so magnetized by, uh, by his, his uh, describing a word of art that I wanted to like find my own way to this this word so that's why I wanted to do something closely but uh, I wasn't devoted to do the gallerist work I didn't know what to do I wanted to be an art historian or a historic when times went by I went to some school here in Prague which was based on information management in our museums and galleries then I worked for Ministry of Culture for I don't know four or five years something like that and after that I came to Academy of Fine Arts in Prague and I left the job there this year one month ago where I was like 14 years working very happily with great people and in, uh, in great surroundings so and during this time I was on the other hand working with my friends which is Honza Kalab Jakub Neprash, Michal Cimala, and we uh, organized or we settled a small civic association which was called Spolek Trafačka and it was in 2006 when we started to plan our first exhibitions and we used to work in old electric factory station which was near Čekade Vysočany. It was like, I think in 30s of 20th century, there was a huge factory field. And now there are only, uh, there is nothing left, I believe, right now from this historic area. There are only shopping centers and hospital and many flats, but nothing industrial anymore. And we were the last piece of maybe freedom 
before the place was completely destroyed. And it was in 2012, I believe. And after that time, we moved to another address. And now we have a gallery in Prague Market, our district of Prague 7. So this is the history of our... So I was working on like the daily base time in Academy of Fine Arts and during nights and weekends for Trafo <laughs> Gallery. Yes, many jobs that we all do have to do in the arts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm interested actually in your background in the Ministry of Culture. Mm -hmm. What did you do at the Ministry of Culture? First touch with this uh, institution was in my last year of the school when we needed to do some like proper contact with uh, the real world. So I, I had to do some six months, what is it called? Internship. Residency or internship. Yeah. Yes, that's the word, right word. And I was not afraid to ask one of the, the, the professors who were like working in a Ministry of Culture if they need there some help because I didn't want to attend any institutions like galleries in, or museums in Prague. I don't know why. Don't ask me why. <laughs> and he tell he told me yes, I can manage to that you can like search the whole place. And after those six months internship, I left uh, there in the, the department which was based on professional art and libraries for like I don't know two or three years. I was there like working with grants and in libraries mainly. And after that, I became a director very, like, uh, unusual way because two of my colleagues became pregnant. And they asked me if I would manage it for, like, a couple of years <laughs> before they will come back. So I was curious and I was happy about this, like, offer. So I, I did it for one year. After that, there was a special... Minister of Culture, who he kicked off uh, 16 directors at one time because of the political reason. He wanted to have there his friends and people who will obey his orders. So I left very quickly, like in 14 days or something like this. And I was super angry about this. But I wanted to work for Transparency International after that because I wanted to fight back. But they had no free place or uh, free job at this time. So I answered the offer from Academy of Fine Arts and I was happy there after, after all. Well, that's something that I find in Europe, I feel like is more prevalent than in mm -hmm. some other parts of the world, which is that politics and funding of the arts seems to be more tied together. I hope it's not politics which like help or which is connected in the in the area of funding in our Ministry of Culture of or in our city of Prague. Only the the people who are on the top of the institutions. Sure, I mean, the highest administrators. Yeah, yeah, the highest, yeah, the highest person. So the rest shouldn't be based like politically or shouldn't be chained with any political party but in those times where the 
Social Democratic Party was running this ministry. They had another opinion and they were helping each other very closely. So they got jobs for their political friends. Oh, yeah. In the United States, the National Endowment or the Arts is, you know, when Democrats are in power, it's funded really well. Mm -hmm. When Republicans come into power, it's funded very poorly. You know, mm -hmm. same with NPR and all kinds of other great sort of arts things in the United States. And so like in Europe, I sort of came here hoping that it was a that politics was not as tied to mm -hmm. things, but it seems like it it still is it's somehow, so... yeah, I mean, there's right. still the 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 final say, so maybe not the people that are you deal with day to day, but the the final people that sign off on things are still somehow political involved. Yeah, yeah. I remember that I was really angry and surprised that I figured out because maybe I was and I maybe still very naive that these <laughs> these ministries still have special funds for funding whatever they would like to, and uh, if they have good people there like good meaning agreeing people and signing people they can get money to any friends and any institution they like to support and they had such a big funds almost of, of the same amount as we as the whole like proper system were delivering or were investing so horrible times but it's like 15 years ago maybe it's better right now i hope i don't know i'm i'm a horrible naive optimist in the way that i really <laughs> hope that mm -hmm. art and politics are not intertwined too mm -hmm. much mm -hmm. though i'm also a realist and i'm fully aware that politics does still play a role in government funding of the arts so yeah and in everything probably around us all right, well, a little quick question going back. I called you a director and you changed it to gallerist. Why the uh, nuanced difference? <laughs> you know sort of, but no, I mean, I'm, uh -huh. well, no, no, I'm being serious about this because like when I go to title these podcasts, I've had mm -hmm. people say, oh no, we want to be gallery owner or versus mm -hmm. gallerist versus mm -hmm. director. Like, so what's the reason for the different wording in your, from your perspective? I am all of these parts, or all, I have all these three roles you mentioned. I am a gallerist, I am director, and I am co-founder and co-owner. And I believe when somebody calls himself a director, it needs to have many employees. And we have like me <laughs> and several people who are like, uh, guarding the show and one girl is working for us as a producer and one and another girl is working for us as a small PR so we are such a small team that we don't need big titles I believe that's why I call, my, call myself gallerist but I'm running the place uh, I love doing this job but I think when we will be like bigger institution I can call myself director <laughs> okay so you have plans to expand Trafo into something larger? Of course. <laughs> we are at the beginning. Feel free to share. You're in the beginning. You've been at it for 14 <laughs> years already? <laughs> yes, but uh, we, we went through uh, special times. 
at the beginning we were like really a couple of friends with some time to share with no money and we did almost do-it-yourself exhibitions and after some time we started to fund some money we didn't sell anything we just did a couple of exhibitions per year it was like one per every 14 days but uh, we did it really low costly but it was like quick change and a real gallery like like commercial gallery program or the goal of commercial gallery we started to fulfill uh, since the end of 2016 so it's now almost four years that's why i i say that we are at the beginning because we are gathering collectors and the public is now more available uh, of uh, information that we are not just friends playing as a gallery role, but we are like serious commercial gallery going for foreign art fairs and doing like proper job. So wait, you're going to art fairs now? This year <laughs> we had to change everything. But yes, we started to go for Vienna Contemporary. And I was doing my own research where we should go else, but we were there repeatedly and I loved that. That the place is full of uh, like great galleries and interesting guests and collectors. And it's, I think it's very good PR. And of course, the art cell is good there as well. And it's close. The director, Joanna, actually had on a previous episode. Ah, I have to hear her. Okay, super. Yep. Okay, so what do you think about art fairs as a general whole? I'm a, a novice when it comes to art fairs. I mean, I'm a, I'm a patron, so, or not, not a patron, mm -hmm. actually, because that implies that I buy things. I am a person who attends. I'm an attendee mm -hmm. at art fairs. So what do you think about them as the as a gallery going in with the intention of selling and, and you know, do they work? Do they work well? Or are they, from what I understand at this point, they're, they're long-term investments. They yes. are about making relationships for mm -hmm. future mm -hmm. growth and future sales, but not necessarily about sales that happen at the art fair. You know, I, I think we are really at the beginning. I will speak just from my point of view, which means Always. that, yeah, we gather information and as you said, uh, you have to come repeatedly, the public which comes to see the, the, the program of the art fair needs to know you, needs to know the artist, because if you're new, you hardly sell your art because nobody knows the artists. So it's like so you said, building the name and building the name of the artists connected connect make a connection with people working there with people coming there from all over the world with museums and galleries which are coming there to like collect new names for their exhibitions not only for selling art but if i will speak from the czech point of view there is only one small art fair in prague which we don't attend we don't believe it's or i don't believe it's <laughs> it has a good attitude, but good level, good PR. So we are thinking about like improving this thing. Maybe we will come with a new idea. I don't want to speak about it right now because we would like to plan it in six months in Prague. And it could change 
the 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 way of selling art like together with more galleries in one place in one time and from the gallery's point of view i i believe that uh, to see your your friends from other galleries coming with other artists and one time and to neighbor each other like to see so closely what are the others doing it's good competition it's always good to see and hear the the background stories from other galleries and i've made many friendships in in vienna or in budapest when we were like two years ago because we all have same experiences time to time someone is like older on the market so they can help you with many other things but each of them came with the same way or they they were gathering from the beginning from the first knowledge to to become become better and to to do their jobs better okay and along that actually i'm, I'm always interested in how do you, well how does trafo create its programming so beyond the obvious of like how you, how do you choose your artists that you represent and work with how do you create your programming and sort of do you have a a philosophy behind it and then even like what kind of techniques do you use to do you choose to put mm-hmm. you know spring spring colored thing you know bright colored things in the summer and cold things in the winter like i mean you know like no you know, what, what's your well, one <laughs> yeah, gallery okay. actually mentioned that to me that really? I thought it was an interesting example well uh-huh. they actually okay. they actually do the opposite they do warm summer colored things in winter time and they uh-huh. do colder works in the summertime to give a nice contrast to the mm-hmm. to the environment at the time interesting concept <laughs> well and that sort of leads me down you know are mm-hmm. there you know how do you and you all are a little different because you're a, a group you're an association that does mm-hmm. this so this is not just one owner making all the decisions that you all do this as a group correct mm-hmm. Yes, but there are two ways maybe we are combining each other uh, when we program the plan of the gallery. The one side is our like background history. When we used to have the Civic Association in in the old factory station, we had there like 35 studios with artists. They were like halfly working there, halfly living there. Some of them were getting babies there. <laughs> Everything was happening around us. And these people are from our generation and they are very close to us. So we are still working with them. And we have like very broadened contacts in, in Czech art scene in our generation. So we can say this is one pool we are working with. And the other one is that me and the, the three artists I mentioned mentioned are from academical space or academical art branch and i as i mentioned that i work there i i i can say i i saw what is like growing there what is coming as a new way of art or how talented people are starting then to 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 do something so i am choosing from these two pools i'm coming with my uh, like six exhibition per year concept to my colleagues and if they agree we do what i uh, what i came with 
if they have their own opinion, of course, we discuss it. And I'm very happy that uh, we are doing this together because it's always better to discuss it from each point of view because all of us have totally different attitude to art. Michal Cimala is a sculptor and painter and uh, he is uh, inventing his own musical instruments. He is a DJ. So this, he is one, has one point of view. Uh, Honza Kalab uh, is a painter. He has a very good art seller, we can say. And he has big roots in street art. So he has his own uh, like experiences and and his point of view. And the third one is Jakub Nepraj, who is uh, great in video sculptures. He's, uh, he used to study in new media department in Academy of Fine Arts, and he is doing so special installation that uh, you can't find any anything like similar to his art. So each of us has different like scale or different view or perspective, and we try to mix our all opinion. And I maybe can say what we do not install or what we do not prefer in our space. <laughs> it's conceptual art mainly. We work with paintings or painters, with uh, sculptures. We time to time work with photographers or inter intermediate artists. But conceptual art is something we we offer or we exhibit really rarely. Define that a little bit more clearly. What, what would you say conceptual art is? Because that's such a vague term. I would say that if you need more time to study what is your art about than to come in front of it and understand in a couple of minutes what is the, what is this art speaking about. And I don't think that, or I don't want to say that uh, you need to see everything from the first sight or from the minute of when you see the the halo effect or what, what we will call it. But if you need to study like many books or read like five A4s before you will start to understand the point when the artist was at the beginning when he was starting to put his bike against this wall and that's that's it i don't think we need to use this place or our place for it i'm not sure if this is understandable it's difficult maybe to tell it in czech even in english but i really uh, appreciate when the art is not understandable for me and there is a curator or artist by himself who can like shortly come with some story which will be like close, close or will, will come or the ideas will be closer to me after that. Maybe that's, that's enough. <laughs> no, it makes sense to me. I mean, okay. I'm, I feel like people just throw around some of these big words like conceptual yeah, yeah. art like yeah, too yeah. much. They're too liberal with it. So like, I'm trying to sort of get a little bit more of a precise definition from various different people but and that's pretty good pretty good explanation for me okay thank you <laughs> okay you mentioned curators i am fascinated because you all have worked with lots of curators uh, mm -hmm. already in your uh, history and i'm 
you know, um, I'm always fascinated by the relationships of curators to galleries because, mm-hmm. of course, I'm a practicing artist and a professor, and that's my sort of interaction with curators. So, mm-hmm. how do you, as a gallery, work with curators? I believe when curator is doing his job correctly. He is the most important bridge between the the people who are coming untouched to the gallery space and the the place of the artist when he chooses or she chooses something which is the best from the artwork. And after this choosing and a proper installation in the gallery space, the curator should speak or help to the artist to inform public what is this all about. Because many artists don't like to be public somewhere, don't like to speak loudly, don't like to be anywhere else than in their studio. Not of course all of them, but uh, time to time it's, it's something like this and where they speak long enough together when they really know knows each other, it really helps to understand they are, their art. And I always want to publish the, the wisdom of these curators to the books we do for each exhibition. We do six, as I said, six exhibitions per year. And I want to publish or to print small retrospective publications for each exhibitions. So it's not just a, c- a catalog book with photos or rep- reproductions. I want to share more information about the artists, which means there should be the the curator's text. There should be uh, maybe an interview with the artist and other information which should help you as a visitor or art lover to understand the art of this artist. So I think that the curator is, if he really knows the artist, he knows the place uh, where the exhibition should be and he uses his time to prepare everything like in a proper way, they are really important, not only for uh, me as a gallerist. I grew up, you know, in Washington, D.C., in America and all this, and most gallery spaces, and of course, you all are in a little bit of a transition, so I should, you know, Mm -hmm. caveat that with this, but most gallery spaces didn't you really use curators primarily it sort of broke down to the just the gallery director or the gallery gallerist and the artists negotiating what goes on display and then the independent curators were more based in the sort of the exhibition spaces which is what you all were mm-hmm. for many years and now you're mm-hmm. transitioning more into a sales gallery and a commercial ish gallery at this point mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so will there still be the continuation of, of working with curators even though you're sort of leaning more towards a, a sales gallery versus an exhibition space yes i would like to like have high level uh, of the exhibitions not only uh, be a, like a sales house for me it's important to come with some strong opinion when we do some exhibitions not just sell the art it's not enough so i believe that we will if i'm i'm not sure if i'm now answering what you've asked but i i would like to continue in in this way in the future 
Right. And what, and that's sort of the long form of the question is basically like, how do you transition easily or don't? So like, if you're having any issues mm -hmm. with this, like from an exhibition space, which is based in putting on a magnificent exhibition, something that people talk about, something that's memorable, something that sort of changes the vernacular of the medium or, or of the, mm -hmm. the, the community to something that you can you can rely on some amount of income from selling like how do you balance that hmm. when we discuss this together with all my three friends we are trying to imagine how it will work and we always do the mixture that we choose or hopefully choose someone who will like uh, fulfill our dreams about quality and of course selling in the other in the other hand and there are some experimentations which are coming with the new talents which i believe they need quality or good attitude from the side of gallery they need good place to show their art they need some good like curator work and after that they came can become a good artist to show or not good become good artists they they will show that they are talented and these exhibitions are not commercial at the end because uh, nobody knows them yet but they are starting to like build their names and we are helping them so they are grateful for that and they are coming in two or three years and we are repeating their uh, exhibitions and we are building together their name and they became in soon future like commercial artists as well yeah and i i've noticed this big i don't know if it's an interest or a trend in younger artists like in the past i'd say like 10 years i've noticed this huge trend towards funding uh towards basically 35 or younger um grants residencies all the, and then I, even a lot of new galleries opening up mm -hmm. around the world that's mm -hmm. primarily focus on this 35 and under age group for support mm -hmm. and growth and all this i'm all for that but i'm 46 and so mm -hmm. like i'm screwed when it comes to that kind of thing so like what can somebody who's maybe still working as an artist and hasn't found any amount of success in their career yet and might be over that age range, how can they get some sort of foot in the door? I believe it's like personal connection. If <laughs> you know, as the whole art world is like, it's yes, all... it's horrible, but it works like this. I received time to time some portfolios by artists I've never heard about from different parts of the world. And if I'm interested, I would like to meet the guy or the girl, the girl after that. But always it's easier when these people are coming to the gallery space and will come to see you and meet you and describe what you do because it's always like not just the art but the whole personality and it for me it's totally unimportant if you are like 25 or 45 it's important what you are doing and what's your art speaking about so we don't do open calls till 
the, the year of 35 or what you've mentioned. <laughs> I know. It's just something that I keep seeing. The, the other day I was looking on something on social media and I noticed this thing. It was like this beautiful residency. It was like, great. I love it. It's just, I mean, it would fit me perfectly. It's exactly mm -hmm. what I need. And then it said, you know, you had to be 35 or younger. I'm like, mm -hmm. fuck. <laughs> Fine. Yeah. <laughs> so. All right. You mentioned that actually that you get submissions of people sending you works uh, kind mm -hmm. of thing. I always have a fascination thing. Okay. So when you as a gallerist look at an artist, what's the... What, what's the hierarchy of things that sort of interest you? So I would assume it's like quality of work first, but so that's, and that's obvious. We all agree to that. Mm -hmm. It has to be good work. Yeah. Definitely. But then after that, is it the quality of the text? So like artist statement, their CV, their like blah, blah, blah. Like what's the next? What, so after, of course, making beautiful work, what's the next things that are important to you? I think the first thing is that you think what the art means, but uh, the explanation by the artist could be the second point of view. And it's always more important that my first glimpse from the art. So it's a mixture of all you've said, of course, but uh, first it has to be strong enough to like attract your imagination or but, you know, I don't like to see small pictures in computer or in uh, your phone. It works so badly. Time to time it can help the artists because smaller painting is time to time better than the reality. But it's, uh, it's horrible, yeah, but it works time to time like this. So it's better to see everything on your own eyes. If, if you feel that uh, you'll see something different and interesting is better to see it by your own eyes and to meet the person what i'm hearing is is that quality of art probably is number one and quality of person is number two yeah for me for me it's like that yeah what about social media do you all use it very much do you like it? Do you find it beneficial? Do you find it a time waster? What like what's your role? <laughs> what's your position on it? I think in these days it's like total necessity or we have to use it. We are young gallery. We are working with young or uh, middle-aged generation and everybody is online right now. So I believe that all these artists should have their like working websites they have to work on Instagram and do their own PR. And after that, uh, we can uh, work with them on Facebook or, or Instagram. But I know many, many young artists who were almost nobody before they started to use their Instagram. And after that, many international galleries asked them to come to see their place and do the exhibition in, in their home city. So it has strong power and it's just a picture in your mobile phone so many people now sell their art if they can like go somewhere outside i mean outside from the country they sell their art just by the picture in their instagram i continually hear stories of people saying oh yeah there are these people that sell their art on instagram i have yet to actually meet anybody who actually sells their art on instagram though you did 
you met. I did? Yes. Jan. Yes. <laughs> really? Yes. He didn't mention that. I asked him. Really? Maybe it happened after that. Okay. But uh, there's really a situation uh, coming with our quarantine or car art teen show we did one month ago. So, yeah, it's... Don't get me wrong, actually, just to be clear, because now that I'm thinking about it, I have personally sold work through Instagram, people finding me on it, but it's not reliable. I think it's sort of more, it's like, so randomly selling a piece here and there, I think is that social media can be great for that. As a matter of fact, actually, I just sold one yesterday, but, mm -hmm. but it's not a reliable, consistent income. So like, when I say people selling things through social media, I mean consistently. Yeah. Okay. In that way. And I never mm -hmm. hear of anybody mm -hmm. consistently mm -hmm. making a living doing it. Not yet. <laughs> Maybe it will come. <laughs> well, that's the thing. You know, like what's so, you know, what's the future of all this? How how mm. is how is this all changing? Because you know, we all love museums and galleries and the actual experiences but of course right now we're having difficulties having those mm -hmm. real tangible experiences so like how is this going to change the industry moving forward or is it just going to fall back into the its same old ways when this is all done you know uh i think i would need some crystal what is it called crystal ball ball thank you yeah to, to know what will happen. I don't like to see any art on any virtual view. Even we did a couple of these, but I still believe that the strongest power of the art is when you are next to it or you can see it by your own eyes or you can touch it if you don't have good eyes. Probably when you are a collector and when you know already the artist, you can allow yourself to sell, to buy his art even if you see just the picture online. Because you all already know uh, the way how he works and you know that you need this art in your collection because you would have a gap there if you wouldn't buy that. But I don't like buying art online, so I don't believe this will work for long. I've never liked it. I mean, I was in San Francisco at the dot-com boom when everybody thought, mm -hmm. like, you could start buying online. My big issue is, like, little things, because I'm a, my background's photography, and uh, just color shifting. So, like, you know, mm -hmm. you put something up that's a very specific color, and, well, like, here, I'll give you a perfect example. My wife bought a, a, a dress that was this beautiful mm -hmm. orange dress, and when it showed mm -hmm. up, I think it was red. <laughs> not orange so like like sure. so the mm. internet is not a reliable not. Uh, source for even just colors mm. mm -hmm. <laughs> so like how can you buy art if you don't yeah. can't even yeah. be assured that the color is what you think it is sure sure it will be <laughs> the first exhibition after the quarantine time but hopefully the people will come in bigger amount than 100 because now we can be in bigger groups at one place in one time. But we prepared this show for like March time and I didn't want to give this up because the, the show is quite huge. There are 16 sculptures, women and uh, men uh, from the Czech art scene. And there are like five legendary Czech sculptors who will have their own uh, piece uh, of art 
in Prague market outside for half a year. And 11 of their students or their like, younger gen generation will show their new formalities or new forms of sculptures or sculpturing in, inside of our gallery. So I believe this will show the, the current or the contemporary Czech sculpture art scene in like stronger point of view or a stronger impact. So I'm really curious what kind of reflection will come after this show because uh, there are many talented people and sculpture is in these days in Czech Republic not visible very often in galleries. More is paintings or the conceptual art, but uh, sculpture is like not prohibited or... So I wanted to make it more visible. So we will see what will come after that. It will call re reform, like reform, like new ways of form. The, the sculptures today are using many different materials that were not used before. So they are sculptures from fabric, from paper, from wax, from concrete, marble, etc. So it will be a huge mixture of materials and attitudes. One thing I've noticed a lot about the Czech art scene is, is it it's somewhat insular. A lot of Czech galleries sell and exhibit Czech artists, and there doesn't mm -hmm. seem to be much of a an international mix um, mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. in there. There's, I mean, there are a few galleries around the Czech Republic that do work with international artists, but I hear also more about the, a lot of the Czech galleries going to art fairs and going out to try to take. Uh, their art and artists out to the international market. But what's being done to bring some of those outside influences into the Czech Republic? In uh, our goal, in those six years, per, uh, six uh, exhibitions per year, we always wanted to do one exhibition uh, with some foreign artists or group of foreign artists. So in last couple of years we did show with Hungarian artists there were like six of them then we did a show with Polish artists they were street artists and we did some outside graffiti as well like legal murals of course <laughs> then we did Czech German ex exhibition which was like barter we switched the artists we did Prague Berlin barter and Berlin Prague barter show so we do this every year, just one per year, because the difficulties uh, are not connected only with like investments, with uh, travel and insurance and everything like this, accommodation. But uh, the problem is that, as you mentioned at the beginning, it's difficult to show in the Czech Republic someone who is not known here. Many people are not curious about new names, about new uh, ways of art. Even if you come with someone who is excellent, it needs to have more time to show him or her to like promo enough the, the whole exhibition and uh, to find good ways. So it needs some time, and you have you need to have a good name as a gallery to lead the people or uh, let the people understand or believe that you will come with someone who will be interesting for them even if they don't know him or her. 
So that's why we do only one show like this per year. But we want to like mix the the European or uh, international art together. This year we should have one friend of ours, which was in all Trafačka space a couple of years ago from Portugal. So we during this like quarantine time we rescheduled it. We need to postpone it for the year after, but. After that, we would like to cooperate with another artist from Canada. So we still work with like artists from abroad. And of course, we would like to send our artists outside and cooperate with other galleries. Well, and that's something actually that fascinates me. Okay, back in the day, I used to work for an art gallery in San Francisco in particular, and we used to have these conversations about having sister galleries in other cities where you have like relationships with them and you sort of more or less call it like trade artists or, or sort of represent their artists in different geographical locations. Like, is this something that's still done these days? I believe yes. We have a couple of galleries we work like this together. But maybe those art fairs are uh, helpful for connecting with each other to understand uh, what each gallery is like presenting, what kind of artists they're working for, for. And time to time is coming from the artist perspective that someone like, for example, Honza Kalab, who is cooperating with different galleries outside Czech Republic, comes with the idea to, to do the show with one of his gallery space because he knew the people, he knew the place, and he can like recommend each other as an artist that both galleries are reliable and um, like doing a good job. Right, well, because I keep thinking about how everybody talks about, well, I hear two sides to this story. On the one hand, I hear the art world is a worldwide thing because of mm -hmm. course social media and the internet and all this stuff like the, the the art scene and the arts industry is literally a worldwide thing but i also hear on the flip side that while it is worldwide really it's still very regional it depends what the people who attend these galleries are looking for i believe that if you do a mix of international artists and the local artists it's always much more helpful for at the end so that's the way how we like to work i agree with that 100 percent. i mean you you want to play to your base but you also want to expand their palette of of interest to some mm -hmm. other knowledge and ideas yeah yeah that's right because in the end you still have to make a living at this i mean you, you this is not a charity yeah course time to time it is charity it was like 14 years only charity and just the free time and and like uh, personal happiness <laughs> well but now recently you all got this beautiful new space over in Prague 7 and yeah, you've been yeah. working a lot in Prague 7 because that region has become this sort of or they've self-defined as this art district and so yes, now they're trying to right. attract more arts <laughs> into that region as well Mm -hmm. We are working uh, in old slaughterhouse where cattle was killed like 50 years ago, maybe 80 years ago. And this uh, area of Prague market is full of art studios, uh, two theaters and many gastronomical services and 
and uh, services of all kind. It used to be connected to Vietnamese shops, but now it's getting changed and it should be more like cultural space and they should offer more services to the public. It has a fabulous farmer's market there as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, in Prague 7, which is like five, ten minutes away by walk from the gallery, there are many art schools, many artists are living there, many designers and and hipsters. <laughs> there are many bars and uh, <laughs> bars and restaurants and many young people are living there. So that's why there are many like vivid shops and uh, gallery spaces and this every week is something new coming around there so it's a good place to just go around and get a coffee and look around what is there and time to time to see what's new in art or what uh, the people are doing there right but i mean it's a it's an interesting issue of i don't know if i would go so far as to say like gentrification but it, it's mm -hmm. sort of like the city deemed well, Prague 7 was already where creative people were, were congregating. And then the city suddenly decided it's the, the arts district. And so now it's like exponentially faster. And the growth of the amount of arts and creativity there is getting bigger. And, and also people are being priced out of being there because, of course, now it's a very popular place to be in. Therefore, mm. rents and stuff are going up. I think they are trying to think the way how everything can live next to each other, not to be just like cultural space with uh, hundreds of uh, concerts and program just for young people. But since, I don't know, five years ago, the municipalities came with the idea that they should support uh, the culture uh, in Prague 7. And uh, they are doing the best in Prague because they really found a quite big amount of money which helps many institutions. On the other hand, there are still many people living there with their kids because there is a huge park next to the Prague 7 or it's inside of Prague 7 and many old people as well. So I think the politics are really thinking how to survive there for every generation, not only for young people. I hope so. I don't get involved in politics if I can help it. I was interested in helping, like sharing uh, these grants, or I, I, uh, not sharing in, like spreading these grants amongst the people. So that's why I knew a little bit more, and I am like reading uh, what these uh, political, what the, the people from these political sides are doing in in this area. So. Uh, I was focused on this for many years, so that's why I'm interested in what they are doing, but I'm not the one who is uh, doing politics in this, in anything. <laughs> okay, but you brought up grants and such. Do you write grants? Yes, we do, or I do. You from do? From the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh, please help me out. I am horrible at writing grants i have no idea how to do it i'm i'm so bad at it and i would love any sort of insider tips that you can give for how to write a good grant no problem i will uh, like uh, try to help you there are many open calls in the czech republic and since the very beginning of trafačka this was the only income 
we used for existing program. And in these days, we are getting support from Ministry of Culture and the City of Prague and the Prague 7 as well. And they are helping us with printing books because this is something we can't or we wouldn't be able to do without this help. Okay, hold on one second. Just for the listeners who are listening mm -hmm. to this, Ministry of Culture would be governmental. City of Prague would be sort of a municipal or city-related grants. Exactly. And then Prague mm -hmm. 7 is basically a neighborhood within the city that also mm -hmm. gives their own separate grants as well. So yes, just to exactly. clear that up. So for people in other countries. So fe basically like federal, state, and local grants. Mm -hmm. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. Grant writing. Help me out. <laughs> like, so what, you know, what are some I... tips for how to do it well? Because it's one of the biggest problems for visual artists is basically how to request funding or to um, put in a, a proposal saying like, this is the project I have and I want to display it here or whatever it is. It doesn't even matter what it is. We're horrible at writing about our art. Like we're visual artists. So maybe when you start with this, it's always better to find someone who can read it after you or who can speak with you before you will start. I have many experiences from the Ministry of Culture when I was that one who was reading it and who was like signing the contracts after that. And after that, I came to the other side and I was trying to, to write it not for myself or for like individuals, but for the institutions. And when I was at the Academy of Fine Arts, I wanted to learn or teach it to the students because some of them are going to use it or start, are starting at school to use it. So I was starting to do grants for students at the Academy of Fine Arts to learn how to work with it, how to work with money, how to work with the accounts and everything around that, how to work with the rules. Uh, so everybody is like totally upset when they hear, hear it. But I always said that it's like when you are doing like puzzle or something like this when you know what you really want to do you know how much should it cost you just need to write what you want that's all yeah but i mean i come from academia myself and i'm my big pet peeve with academia as a whole now i mean i don't know every individual school but most of the schools that i've worked with do not prepare students for the real mm. world they don't teach them that being an artist is also running a business mm. they 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 just teach them right. the crafts they teach them the skills they teach them the concepts but they don't teach them taxes and contract mm. law and mm. insurance and all the other things that are the real things that will make it easy for them to transition into being professional artists mm. Mm. I think Academy of Fine Art in Sprague is doing some experiments in this way. They don't prepare students right, maybe enough, but uh, it's uh, mainly um, in communication or in the leadership of the studios, how they work with students. But they are uh, starting some seminars, which are uh, like not, uh, what is it, the word? Uh, you don't have to attend them if you don't want to. It's like uh, voluntary. Mm -hmm. And if students want to uh, know something from this point of view, they, they, they can. 
but it should be mandatory. They should. I mean, yeah, if yeah. we, you know, because like they, so. they say that 99% of students that graduate art school stop making art within five years. That's horrible. But I don't think that asking for grants should be the only thing what they should do the whole rest of their life. Uh. <laughs> no, no, no. But but the some assistance in learning how to write residency applications, yeah, yeah, how right. to exactly. uh, you know write the amp applications for grants, mm -hmm. but also then like how to how to find the best insurance and how to mm -hmm. or even just how to write a really eloquent artist statement and like learning the nuances of you know like these days would be like social media and how to build a, a, an effective website I see. Uh, whether you should sell your work on your own or whether you should mm -hmm. how to approach a gallery i mean my god there are so many professional practices that are not taught to artists that we all You're have right. to learn right. by mistakes mm -hmm. and the school should help yeah, yeah, yeah definitely yeah they should <laughs> I, mean, I taught at schools that people were paying a lot of money to attend mm -hmm. and they should mm -hmm. prepare them to be mm -hmm. professionals mm -hmm. in the field not just yeah, yeah, yeah. creative sure this is very that's important my pet peeve. yeah that's my pet peeve that's my gripe for the day there you go i always go on one tangent for the day i see <laughs> this has been lovely thank you very much for your time thank you too matthew see you next time See you soon at the gallery, actually. Hopefully. Hmm.